seriously today. Can I get an amen? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, just teasing, honey. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I'll just, anyway, but I just thought, oh my gosh, it's only 11.06. So anyway, I don't know, that's ever happened. Poor Alan, we'll try to do better, honey. But anyway, we're going to talk about that Thanksgiving. This is my title. And I've asked, yeah, that's my title. Ask Michael. I know this, but this is kind of the teacher in me. I've given him a list of my scriptures, but he's not going to turn to them. So if you want to see them, you're going to have to open your B-I-B-L-E, or you're going to have to turn, you know, go through your phone. Uh, because I think it's good for you. This is the teacher. <laughs> it's good for you to open your Bible. It's good for you to scroll through your phone. It's good for you. I know this is good, and I like it, and I look, but... That's just the list. So I've given you, asked Michael to give you the list and the version that it's in so you can look ahead and you can keep up. You go, she's going too fast. Well, there they are. And so because I like to hop around and stuff comes up and anyway, it's just how I like to do it. But I did print you up something today. It's a miracle. So as you saw earlier, my title is Thanksgiving Will Change Your Living and Your World. And you know, we can give thanks in different ways. There's just many different ways to express our thanksgiving to each other, to the Lord, to those around us. And, you know, one way to give thanks is just simply by saying thank you. You know, people will say, well, I don't feel like that's enough. But you know what? Just a simple thank you. You know, because I didn't see my sister-in-law back there. My sister-in-law's in the house. I didn't know you were coming. You didn't know I was preaching, did you? She didn't. Aw. I hadn't seen her in a long time. I'm glad. I mean, we live here in the same town and we talk, but we haven't seen each other face to face. So, aw. Aw. Makes me cry. <laughs> I didn't have sisters, but God gave me two. My two sister-in-laws. They're precious to me. <laughs> anyway. I know, this is crazy, isn't it? So anyway, just one way is to just to simply say thank you to someone or maybe give them a gift to show your gratitude. But, you know, just saying thank you is just so important. Sometimes we just take things for granted. And you know what I think is good? Sometimes we expect our children to say thank you to us. But you know what? I think it's a good thing to say thank you to them. To teach them, you know, to sh- tell them that you're thankful for them, to thank them for the good things that they do. You know what? I believe it will bring out more when we just, sometimes we as parents just expect them to do, uh oh, somebody's on the loose, <laughs> to do, you know, to do things for us and just to, to, you know, show respect and say thank you. But I'm going to tell you, you want to teach it to your kids, you need to give it to your kids. You need to live it with your kids, not just demand it from them, but live it giving it to them as well. And I tell you what, they'll reciprocate. So we're just talking about showing our thankfulness today. You know, when we want to show our thankfulness or our gratefulness or our appreciation to God, we can do it by expressing to God our trust and our confidence in Him. Remember, we we talked, um, I think it was, not last Wednesday because I wasn't here, but the Wednesday before that. Uh-oh, y'all just cut me off. <laughs> it's okay. Or down. Anyway, uh, you know, the last Wednesday, it was, um, we talked about when we're pleasing to God, that it's what pleases Him is us putting our trust in Him. And you want to show your thankfulness or your appreciation, just say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you to bring me through this. I trust you to help me with this. And, and, you know, that is how we show, we know, we can't give, I mean, our praise is a gift to him, but you can't give him something physical. But it's our actions that are pleasing. It's our actions that 
demonstrate our thankfulness and our appreciation to him. So that's how we can express it to God is by showing him that we trust him, that our confidence is in him, and, and, and then by showing him what he means to us, and not only in good times, but in bad times as well. And so I want to read, and out of Micah, that's my first one, Chapter 7, y'all going, where? He's in the Old Testament, a, a minor prophet, but good things that he shows us. And I want to show us um, in Micah chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, he's describing some tough times that they're going through. And, and he's talking about, you know, he's real. The people in the Bible are real as you and I are, and they have real feelings and real stuff that they struggle with and go through. And so in verse 1 of Micah 7, it says, Woe is me, for I am as when the summer fruits have been gathered, as when the vintage grapes have been gleaned, and there's no cluster to eat, and no first ripe fig for which my appetite craves. Verse 2, he goes on to say, this is Micah talking, he's saying, The godly man has perished from the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. Each hunts his brother with a net. And then verse 3, he's describing the times that he lives in. Both their hands are put forth and are upon what is evil to do it diligently. That's what they're doing. The prince and the judge ask for a bribe, and the great man utters his evil desire. Thus they twist between them the course of justice. So he's living in some evil times. He's describing... How some things look today, huh? <laughs> you know, so don't go, oh, look what's happening to us. It's happened to everybody. And so Micah is describing this. And so I want us to look now at verses 7 and 8 at how he responded to the times that he was living in. He says in verse 7 of Micah chapter 7, but as for me, but as for me, I will look to the Lord And confident in him, I will keep watch. I will wait with hope and expectancy for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And then verse 8. I love verse 8 too. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. Look at his responses. His words to the Lord in hard times. You know, he says, but as for me. You know, only you can decide what it's going to be for you. He said, but as for me. He didn't say as for everybody else. He just said, as for me. This is what it's going to be for me. Remember how Joshua said, what did he say? As for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. You know, the world may be going in another direction. But as for me. you got to decide what it's going to be for you. What is it going to be? Only you can make that decision what it's going to be for you. And he says, I will look to the Lord. He didn't say, I'm going to look at all this crummy stuff and I'm not going to wring my hands and say, I give up this. I can't make it. Look at this. This is so horrible. Oh, what hope do we have? He didn't say that. He said, I will look to the Lord. I'll look to him. He's my hope. He's the one that can bring us through. Only you can decide where you're going to look in bad times and when stuff's going on, when stuff happens to you personally, when junk's out in the world. Only you can decide where you're going to look. You're going to have what did, what did the psalmist say? I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. You've got to decide where you're going to look. Nobody can decide it for you. It's your decision. It's an inner decision. 
You're the one that decides, just like Micah. And then he says, and confident in him. You're going to have to make the decision who you're going to be confident in during these times when stuff happens. Stuff happens to your body, your finances, your family, your world, your job. You're going to have to decide who you're going to put your confidence in and practice it before the stuff hits. Practice just saying, Lord, every day, say, Lord, my confidence is in you. I'm looking to you. I thank you. I know stuff's going on, but I thank you that you're taking care of us and you're going to see us through. Turn it toward your nation. Say, I'm, I'm thanking God. You're going to bring us through that. You know what? God said we're light. And when you pray and when you declare what God says and you agree with him, that light dispels that darkness. Amen. Just know that what God's put in you makes a difference. I tell you what, open up your mouth and let God pray through you and declare through you. You know, he says, I will keep watch. I will. He wasn't just going, oh, I hope I can make it. No, he was looking, expecting. Oh, no. He was expecting. He wasn't just going, oh, if we ever get through this. It was, he was expecting to see good because why? His confidence is in God. Is God all powerful and almighty? Is he for you? Yes, he is. So why are we, you know? Look up. Get up. I will keep watch. I will wait with hope and expectancy for the God of my salvation. You know, salvation means he just makes it whole. He makes it all right. He fixes what's broken. Whatever's messed up, he corrects and he gets it right. Now, your part's to be a little on the patient side because his promises are inherited with faith and patience. So get patient and just keep your eyes on him. Say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I'm going to keep on until, until it happens. It's okay. God will hear me. Micah is expressing his thankfulness to God by looking to him for his salvation, for his help, for his deliverance. And I just read you. Remember, I read you. He was living in crummy times, corrupt times where stuff all around him was horrible. Look at Noah. Everybody's thought except for his were evil. The Bible says continually. Everybody around Noah had evil thoughts continually. But hey. And you know what? They could have got in the ark with him if they wanted to turn to God. But that's for you and your house. Get in the ark. <laughs> Make the ark and get in it. You know, I love verse 8 because Micah is telling the enemy. He said, you may think I'm down. You may, you may think I'm not getting up. But I've got news for you. When I fall, I shall arise. When I mess up, God's going to help me up. God's going to help me and help get this corrected. I'm not, I can't fix my messes, but God can. And so when I sit in darkness and can't see any way out, the Lord will be a light to me. He just begins to speak. I know things happen and I know I may fall, but I'm going to rise because God's the one that lifts me. And I know I may be in a dark place, but God's the one that shines that light in that place. To illuminate my path and to bring whatever it is that we need. You know, Micah is a prophet. And prophets used words to remake the world. The world was made in the first place by God's word. Was it not formed? Yes, he spoke and it was. And he gives us. He says, put my word in your mouth and speak it. And that's what the prophets did. And he's called us to prophesy as well. To speak forth what God says and what his will is. Prophets, when they find the world in ruins, in a mess, when they find it in a, a world of moral rubble and spiritual disorder, they take up the work of words again to rebuild what human disobedience and mistrust has demolished. 
They begin to take up the word of the Lord to begin to turn that thing and to begin to rebuild it. You know what? If you'll just get with God and you'll get in prayer, I tell you what, he'll begin to give you some things to pray out, to speak out, to prophesy. When you see stuff going on around you personally, God wants you to bring order to the disorder that the enemy is trying to bring around you. You're saying, well, who am I? Well, i tell you who you are. He says that he's given you authority and power over all the power that the enemy possesses. That that's what he's given us. But you're the one that has to wield that power and you do it through his word. And by taking and stepping into that authority and allowing God to use you. And you, you begin to rebuild what humans have messed up. These prophets learn their speech from God. God's the one that gives it to us. We're not drawn up. He gives it to us. Their words are God-grounded, God-energized, and God-passionate when they speak. And I believe, like Micah and the other prophets, that we can learn words, that we can learn speech, that we can learn communication from God that will remake the world around us that the enemy is trying to destroy. If we'll put his words in our mouth. Let's look at some words from another prophet, Nahum. Chapter 1, verse 7. This is what Nahum says. He says, the Lord is good. He's a strength and stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows, he recognizes, he has knowledge of, and he understands those who take refuge and trust in him. He knows when you're taking trust in him. He knows when you're looking to him. Nahum spoke these words at a time when Assyria had the whole world terrorized. It would be like Hitler, I guess. A similar situation. And a world free of Assyrian domination was unimaginable. Nahum's task was to make it imaginable. To make that world free Of their rule imaginable. His task was to free God's people from the paralyzing fear of the Assyrians. To free them to believe in and pray to an almighty God. And we are the same today. Nahum used his God-grounded, God-energized, and God-passionate words to do just that. And God gives us those words. Our words of thanksgiving, of affirmation, of our trust and confidence in God get us back to the main action. And that's God. And it gets us off of the main distraction. And that's the enemy. That's the devil. Our words, when we begin to give thanksgiving to God, when we begin to say, though I fall, I shall arise, when we begin to say, the Lord is my shield, I put my confidence in him, I'm looking to the Lord, those are words of affirmation and thanksgiving of who God is. And you begin to, and you know what you begin to do? That's light coming out, dispelling that darkness and pushing it back. When we look at it and we go, oh, it's getting horrible, oh, it's horrible, I don't know how God's are, then you're just inviting that darkness in. I mean, it's just the truth. And you just speak this light and you bring forth and just begin to look at who God is and what he says. Remember Joshua. Man, I read that a couple of Wednesdays ago, you know, in chapter 1. And the Lord said, I know there's stuff to be afraid of out there, but don't be afraid. Be courageous. Think on the words that I've given you. Think on the words that I've spoken to you. Meditate on them. Put them in your mouth. Focus on that. 
and you'll prosper in your way. Don't look at the enemy. Don't look at all that. Just remember, I said, I'd be with you. I've given you this land. You go over to possess it. But if you get to looking as some of the spies did at those enemies and how big they were, they didn't want to go. You can't look at that. You've got to look at God and what he said and who he is to you. So let's look at another prophet. His name's Habakkuk. And so I want to read in Habakkuk chapter 3. Again, before, before this uh, scriptures, he's just talking about how things are. Habakkuk is. <clears throat> and he's, here's some more of his description in verse 17. And he says, though the fig tree does not blossom... And there is no fruit on the vines. And though the product of the olive fails and the fields yield no food. And though the flock is cut off from the fold and there's no cattle in the stalls. That is not a pretty picture, is it? You know, there's no food in the house. There's no money in the bank, in essence. And he's saying, though all this is happening, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the victorious God of my salvation. Again, here you are, another crummy situation, another bad time. And he chooses to turn his thanksgiving toward God. He chooses to change the direction, no matter what that looks like. He chooses to make that turn. And then he goes on to say in verse 19, he begins to declare who God is. And he says, the Lord God is my strength. You know, you need strength in these times. It's not that it's easy. You need God's strength. I can't tell you how many times I've said this scripture to myself. The Lord God is my strength. He's my personal bravery. Anybody ever needed some personal bravery? Yeah. He's my invincible army. That means it can't be defeated. That's who God is to you. He makes my feet like hinds feet. I'm glad. We saw some hinds. I guess they were hinds. I don't know. They were cheap. Sheep with those horns, those rams. We went to Colorado. Y'all, they're just up on these rocks that, <clears throat> those, that that's what it's talking about. Pine feet. Those sheep that can climb those rocks that no human, I don't, I mean, I guess you have the picks and all that, but they just run up and down them. And that's what he says to us. He makes our feet like those hinds feet. And he will make me to walk. Not to stand still in terror. That's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to just stand still in terror and just be frozen. And he says that he makes, because he's our personal bravery, our invincible army, and he makes our feet to walk and make spiritual progress upon our high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. God didn't say we wouldn't have those things. But he said, be of good cheer. He's deprived it of power to harm us because he gives us what we need during those times to walk through it. And we walk on up out of it. And our part is to allow him to help us to do that. We, like the prophets Micah, we read today, and Nahum, and Habakkuk, are called to keep ourselves and others, this is part of our calling, To keep ourselves and others alive to God and alert to listening to his voice. By lifting up in thanksgiving the power and greatness of God. That's what these prophets did in the midst of crummy situations. 
They just begin to lift up the power and greatness of God over that. That's what David did when he came to God. What is the deal? Who do you think you are going <laughs> to come against the God of the covenant of Israel? Can't defeat his army. And he just began to declare who God. And see, you say, well, yeah, well, I'm not a prophet. Well, you're a saint of God. He lives in you. God didn't live in these prophets. He came upon them. He's in you. How much more are you speaking out? Well, God, you got some dark situations around you. I tell you what, turn on the light. Speak God's word. Begin and watch that thing begin to churn. And if you do it two times, then you go, oh, it didn't turn. You know what? When you've done all you know, do you just stand. And you just say, this is the way it is. That's for me and my house. Although I fall, I will arise. I may not have risen today, but I'm going to arise. God's lifting me up. He's working it out, and he's getting me up, and he's making it. And our part is just to keep, give, keep our confidence in him and just thinking he's my shelter, he's my salvation, he's my strength, my stronghold. He's everything I need, and he'll turn this thing around. That's what he does. But our part is to keep ourselves alive to that and others. And you do by speaking it and keeping yourself alert to what God is saying to you. And you do that by feeding on his word and what he said. That means reading the Bible. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. You know, the shield, he protects us. You know how David got that shot in? I think to Goliath. The armor bearer, I think, you know, I was reading, um, <clears throat> Pastor Lynn Wilson gave us, uh, Alan and I a book to read, and I was reading it while we were gone. He was talking about David and Goliath, and he said, you know, Goliath had an armor bearer, poor thing, that had to carry that ginormous shield. And I can't imagine how big that was, because <clears throat> Goliath was nine feet tall. But, you know, as long as the armor bearer is there, you know, David could sling all day. He's not going to get past that. But, you know, that Goliath, upon, I'm sure, seeing David, thought, oh, brother. You know, and he began to step outside. He made a fatal mistake. He began to step outside that shield, outside that protection. And one swing in the name of the Lord popped it here and took him down. But he stepped out. And see, we want to just stay in with God, stay in behind his shield. You know, let's don't get, uh, you know, just proud or or thinking we can do it or thinking, man, I got this or thinking, uh Maybe getting to looking around and seeing what the enemy's doing. Just stay. He's your shield. Stay in, in that shield. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength. He's my shield. My heart trusts in him. You know, I do this. When my head, Dodie Osteen used to talk about this. Because she had metastatic cancer of the liver. And they just basically, she was a nurse, and they just basically sent her home to finish out her days. There was medically no hope for her. And so she just took up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and just began to speak the Word of healing over her. And I tell you what, she was miraculously healed and made whole. But there were days, and we all had them, when doubt comes. The enemy's ever trying to feed us doubt to see if he can get us to take that bait. And we, we just have to stand against and resist those, that voice of doubt and, and she talks about asking her husband, John, Pastor John Osteen, Joel's dad, saying, you know, John, John, she said, I think I'm doubting. And he said, well, where are you doubting? Are you doubting in your head or your heart? And so I always ask myself that. You know, if fear tries to come in or doubt tries to come in, 
I, I stop and I say, Kim, what do you believe? What do you know to be true? And I just begin to declare what I know to be true. And it helps me recognize it's not here. Because this is where we believe is in our heart, in our spirit. We believe here. This thing will kind of go sometimes. But just say, turn it off and just, all the time, right, I know. And so, but just say, no, that is not what I believe. You know, the enemy is just trying to fire like machine gun into your head, fears and doubts and all this stuff, and just turn it off and say, this as for me, but for me, this is who I am, and this is who God is to me. And, you know, it may look worse before it looks better, but I tell you what, you just set your face like flint toward him. And just say, this is it, because I know my God and his word, and this is what he has for me, because I'm his child. And this is his promise to me. The enemy wants to get us off of God's promise. And he says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Not might be helped, not hope I'm going to be helped. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. Hebrews 12:28 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that's what's inside you, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We've got an unshakable kingdom of God on the inside of it. The kingdom of God is in him. Remember Jesus, the kingdom of God is nigh thee. The kingdom of God is in you because the king lives in you by the Holy Spirit. And if you've never been born again and you've never asked the king to come in, today is the day. Come afterwards and we will pray and invite the king to live in you and let the kingdom of God come into you. And that's what he said in Hebrews. He said, because of this, we're going to be thankful and we're going to worship God. We're going to reverence him because he's got this. Let's allow thanksgiving to change our living. It will change your living. Believe me. I've lost my thankfulness. The Lord told me one time, man, some just stuff. Oh, it just seems like anybody ever feel like it just goes on and on and on. And then new stuff and piles and all this stuff, you know. Well, I'd lost my thankfulness. And the Lord told me. I didn't know it. I didn't recognize it. I had found my gripiness and I had lost my thankfulness. Yeah, I know. See, when I preach to you, I preach to me. Because it happens to all of us. It's not like, you know, saint perfect somebody. It's just we are saints in him. But, you know, the Lord told me. He said, Kim, you've lost your thankfulness. You know what I had? And I just began to think of all the things that he had done. His faithfulness for saving me, delivering me, filling me with the Holy Spirit, healing me, healing my children, healing my dad. So many, you know, I have a paper, I still have it, that I just begin to write down everything I could think of. I encourage you to do that. It's just from the smallest to the biggest. And you know what? I found my thankfulness that day. And you know what? I don't even know when things turned around. Because I just found my thankfulness. I found I was just in his presence, and somehow he turned stuff around. I don't even know when he did it. I like that. That's the best way. And so, Because when your eyes are on him and you're just being thankful and going about your father's business, he's taking care of stuff for you is what he's doing. 
That's what he's doing. God will use our thanksgiving, our God-grounded, God-energized, and God-passionate words to remake our world. He'll use it through us because his word is alive and active and full of power. And when you put his word in your mouth, there's power. It's not something you see with these eyes. It's in the spirit realm, and it changes things. Second Thessalonians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 18 in the Passion Translation says this. Let joy be your continual feast. You know, you say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, I'm talking about the joy of the Lord, the joy of who is. And you just say, Lord, you know this is crummy, but I thank you for your joy inside me. And I thank you that I have joy. And you know why you have joy? Because he's going to work it all out. So you can have joy. If you get joy after it's all worked out, that's just... uh, That's of your five senses. It's when you have joy, that's the spiritual realm. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you have joy before it all works out. I'm always reminded, you just see these people going through junk. And they are just giving and loving and kind and, and generous while you know they're going through junk. But you know what? They don't let the enemy. You know, Jerry Sabell taught a series one time, and he said, if the devil can't uh, steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. It's one of my favorite messages. I'll mean, look it up and teach it. But, you know, the enemy wants to steal our joy and get us looking at what all's going this way and that way. But he said, if he can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. So get in joy and just say, God, you know what? If that goes, you'll give me something else. It's okay. You know what? Do you think God's got enough to give you another one or something else? Or You know, I mean, he does. It's okay. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving will change your living and it will change your world. Amen. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your ways, your way of living, your way of being. Father, it's just such a beautiful way. Your ways are not like our ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. And so we join with the prophets that say, but as for me, as for me, I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to be confident in the Lord. And I'm going to say in the midst of all this stuff that the Lord's going to see me through, that he's my personal bravery, my invincible army. I'm not going to stand still in terror, but he's going to make my feet to walk and make spiritual progress on my high places of trouble and suffering and responsibility We're not going to stand still, but we're going to make progress. And we're going to put the word of the Lord in our mouths that will not only bless those around us, but it will bless you, Father, because we're agreeing with you. And we're just agreeing and walking in the light instead of allowing darkness to overcome us. We're dispelling darkness with the light of your word and the light of your presence. And, Father, I thank you that you are doing great and mighty things in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And, Father, in this nation, we claim this nation for you. And we say that, I tell you, Lord, that you will have your way in this nation. A great revival, Father, a mighty outpouring. And we just thank you for many coming to Christ, Father. Just just more light, Father. 
and more fire. We just thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, we'll pray for you this evening. <clears throat> this is what day? I'm used to preaching at night. Um, <laughs> this afternoon, noon, morning. Hey, we're still in the morning. Hey. This morning. If you've never asked Jesus, you know, I went to church all my life. All my life. I went to church every Sunday. Even married, we went to church. I believed in God. I went to church because I believed in God. But I never knew, and I'm not mad at anybody, but I never, nobody ever said to me, you need to ask him personally to be your personal Savior. Ask, invite him to personally forgive you of your sins and invite him to be the Lord of your life. It's so simple. Just, just like that, he comes in. And old things pass away and all things become new. So I encourage you, if you've never done that, do it today. After service, we'll be down here uh, and just pray with you. It's so beautiful. If you have any other needs, we're here to pray with you. Remember, come this evening if you can at 530 to the Zedler Mill. We're, we're just going to have a great time fellowshipping with each other. Remember, no service on Wednesday. All right. Love you all. Have a blessed day. Yeah.